Hi, my name is Jeremy Bate. Welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I'm a fan of design, and right now I'm learning to sew. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I don't. Should I try that with a different inflection? No, I think that that works totally fine. And and in addition to that, you're also a 368. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a 368, <laughs> and I do a bunch of creative stuff over here too. Perfect. Perfect. I, I got to tell you that um, uh, right before the podcast, I was like, for some reason, unusually super nervous. <laughs> no, really. I'm nervous before like every single podcast. <laughs> like it's, it's like uh, it, it's an event to kind of like see me 30 minutes before a podcast starts because I'm like talking to myself the whole time. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, everything's here. I have all of my stuff. I'm ready for this. Like I'm going to be like, it's going to be so nice to meet Jeremy. Like I was just walking around my apartment getting ready for this well for what it's worth I'm like super nervous too I'm not good at this stuff and uh <laughs> and like I don't you know I always feel like like why why would you care what I have to say you know but also I like to hang out and talk about <laughs> stuff but yeah if you're nervous I'm nervous too um and I get are you one so there there are like three types of anxiety there there's the anxiety that people have where you have this podcast coming and you worry about it like three weeks ahead mm. and you're, you're like a wreck. And then there are people who have the anxiety like right before. And then there are the people that get the anxiety during and they just black out, <laughs> <laughs> which I, someone told me that one time. There's like, there's like three different types. And, uh, and I am someone like right before I freak out. It sounds like you might be that way as well. <laughs> <laughs> I uh it's it's kind of comical like how I talk to myself to try to calm myself down it's like um it's like I'm talking to a kid or something like that I'm like you're gonna be just like I'm that way when I'm driving too when I'm driving and if, if I'm like it's like a kind of stressful traffic I'm like I'm gonna be just fine everything's good <laughs> you, like, so dorky <laughs> talk out loud like he's actually I'm I, so I'm not someone who talks to myself at all and I don't <laughs> understand when people do it I'm like who like what <laughs> why do you have to say it out loud like you can just think it and you know it it's, it's, <laughs> I, I don't get it but hey like to each their own <laughs> I don't know and uh, uh like very uh topically um uh, I just wanted to also say congrats on uh the the episode for the webflow tv series that that's about you guys i watched that yesterday when it came out and i thought that that was like the coolest thing ever oh thanks emily yeah it, <laughs> uh, it was cool i mean it you know like i i get starstruck by everybody who was involved you know like matthew and cena produced it or directed mm -hmm. it and uh he's just a legend and um I don't know if you follow him or not, but he's just got it. All. It's, it, he seems like he's got it all together. I know he would say he definitely does not. <laughs> he's just so cool and like just such a pro. And then of course you have the Webflow team reaching out and you got Vlad dropping in, which I know you interviewed Vlad. Uh, yeah. He's just super cool. Like, super what was dope. it like meeting him? It was, it was, it was uh, unexpected because he, just roasted me the whole time like, <laughs> really? yeah he came in so hot 
And it's funny. <laughs> so we do these, these three o'clock, we call them weekly wrap parties. Every week, the whole agency drops onto like a Zoom and we just like toast to the weekend and people just talk about whatever. And I invited Vlad and I was like, hey, come to our weekly wrap and I'll interview you and like, you can tell your story. And he just comes in and he just starts roasting me. <laughs> and I'm like, how did someone tell him to do this? Because every week they just, they roast me on the, on the weekly wrap. Like it's like, my really? yeah, and it, it's, I love it. Like it's fun, but it was so funny. I was like, man, you'd fit right in. Like you should just join the team. Uh, so it was really funny. He, he wouldn't let me ask a serious question, you know, Really, <laughs> it was really fun. And it was Friday afternoon. I think he was just, you know, heading into the weekend. Uh, so it was awesome. Like, I, I hope we get to hang out more. He seems super cool. And uh, I mean, the fact that we're even on his radar is really cool. You know, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> why, uh, why is that crazy to you? Cause I guess I'm just like a big internet nerd, you know, like mm. I, I'm, I barely know how to do design, like barely <laughs> that's how I got my start. Like I, I just figured it out as I went along and, uh, and these platforms, you know, that come out and come into your world, like WordPress and Shopify and Squarespace and Webflow they're, you know, to like a little web designer, they seem you know, like these untouchables, like these, just these, almost these faceless ideas. And then one of the creators just drops out of the sky and says, Hey, <laughs> for me, that's a big deal, you know, mm -hmm. because they, they're global. Like they've got community, they've got people everywhere involved with their platform. And somehow we got on their radar. I give Tim, Tim Ricks, who works mm -hmm. with us and is just a guru. I give him so much credit. Like he has really built our uh, foothold in that community. You know, it's, I, I, and you know who he is. If you saw the documentary, he's like, he's the brains behind it. I, I loved that, um, that like hero story thing that they, they gave him walking up the stairs and slowly showing who he is. I thought that that was, that was a perfect way to introduce him as a character in the story. It is so, it was like, <laughs> Okay, so I'll give you like the back behind the scenes story about that. That's okay. so funny. Uh, when we shot the documentary here at the office, they were interviewing me and Matthew and Cena was directing. And then we had some Webflow representation on like a laptop, like mm. remote in, and they were just kind of giving pointers and, and stuff. And of, of the whole documentary, I think there was only one line that they asked me to say and they were like hey just say enter tim ricks <laughs> and i and we were kind of laughing i was like that seems that's not something i would say like in a <laughs> conversation like enter tim ricks and like just just say it like we'll make it'll be this cool moment and i just said it you know and like forgot about it and then <laughs> we watched it we, we got the whole team here yesterday we had like a popcorn machine and stuff Oh, wow. And we watched it together. And when that happened, and then it cuts to Tim, like walking in slow-mo, we like lost it. It was so <laughs> And Tim was just in the corner, like, whatever. Just enjoying yeah. his moment. Yeah, yeah, just like, Tim, he's like, he, I don't think he likes the spotlight, but he's very mm -hmm. good at it. Um, he's so humble. But yeah, that was just, that cracked me up. But it was also just 
excellent work on their part, you know, like mm-hmm. crafting the story and finding this story with us was really cool because they really kind of pulled it out. Like we do these projects and have these moments and in agency life, uh, it's just moved so fast. Like you finish something, you're on to the next thing and you almost never have time to stop and like celebrate it or cherish it in any kind of meaningful way. You don't get a lot of reflection time. Mm. This forces to have that reflection time. And it was really powerful. Like, I think a lot of the team yesterday, including me, was just like proud of us. Uh, And it was almost like, I forgot to feel proud of us. You know, (laughs) you you work so much that you forget to do that. And it's really important. I I think that, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because the amount of stuff that you're you're grinding out and the amount of projects that you work on and everything like that I feel like it, it kind of just becomes um normal at a certain point and then when you look back on hey how uh like 10 years ago me how would I feel about what I'm doing I'd be so stoked but now it just seems normal like if I'm doing enough <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> I know it's important to, to step out like that step out of yourself it's like, it's almost necessary to, to maintain energy too, you know, with this, like, I, have you ever worked in agency world at all? Uh, a, a little bit. I, I'm working in a in-house somewhere right now, yeah. um, but maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, well, it's an experience. <laughs> I love it. I, I am pretty ADD and like, really, I don't like to do the same thing for very long. I like to change a lot, like jump from thing to thing. So for me, it it suits me. Uh, But I I think you do have to have a certain kind of disposition to to enjoy that type of work style. Uh, Mm. But then again, you get these ultra talented creatives, some of who are introverts, you know, because a lot of creatives like to spend time in their own head and spend time thinking and and so how do you the question we're asking now is how do we serve them in Mm -hmm. a frenetic environment with a lot of moving parts when you're like on four to six zoom meetings a day but you're expected to do four to six hours of production work creating it's not it's not a realistic ask yeah like we're really trying to figure out what that looks like and uh we're we're calling it the flow plan but we want to create flow time where (laughs) creatives can just disappear into their world you know and if they want to do it together or if they want to do it alone like that's fine but just giving people like that those wide spaces to to sink into versus like skipping along the surface of like 30 minutes here one hour there Mm. so we haven't figured it out but we've got a pretty good plan that we're about to start implementing we'll see how it goes yeah like it's really hard constantly like context switching and then it's hard yeah like once you're actually into it ready to go all that kind of stuff you're thinking about this meeting that you're about to have in 30 minutes and you like can't fully get into what you're working on right and yeah you said at the top of the podcast where you're like before this you're having to like mentally prepare yourself and get into gear you know all there's like a it's like when you turn on a computer or Maybe that dates me, but computers used to take a long time to turn on. <laughs> and that boot up time, though, is a real thing. And, and your brain, like that processing, 
when you go from thing to thing, like you're having to turn it off, turn it back on, like you said, switching. And that's a cost, you know, it's an energy cost, it's a cognitive cost. And uh, it takes, you know, there's a lot of data that shows it takes like 20 to 30 minutes to get back into a groove when you've mm. been interrupted. Um, so yeah, so, so, you know, anyway, I don't know how interesting this is to your audience, <laughs> but it's something that I think a lot about because if, if the creative team here can't do great work and if they're not like being fulfilled with their work, uh, first of all, they're not going to stick around very long because mm-hmm. it's not, no one's having fun, but also it's not going to allow us to really do the work we want to do, like the, the awesome work, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that's, that's new and exciting. So that's why we're trying to work on it. A question that comes to mind when you say that is um, uh, when, when you're running a, a team like this, or you're part of a, a group of people that runs a big team and like, this is their, your employees like whole life for the most part like nine to five this is like their whole life is there ever any time where you kind of like feel responsible for whether they're happy or not there's is there ever a time (laughs) would be the question (laughs) yes that is for me at least it's like it's something that really burdens me um for whatever reason, you know, that to me, that's very important. Uh, maybe because I I started doing this and like, I'm a co-founder here kind of on accident. Like I never, I was never like entrepreneurial. Like I'm going to be an entrepreneur one day. I want to run a business. I never had that thought or that idea. I just mm-hmm. didn't like work. <laughs> I, <was kinda laughs> like, I think I was just kind of like maybe lazy. Like I don't like working. What can I do that I like to do and maybe make money? And I just started doing design work, you know, like freelance. And um, there's at least, I have a, an Enneagram three personality some of the time, which is apparently someone who likes to achieve. So I think I, I just kept like being ambitious about it and growing it mm-hmm. out of my nature. But uh, I know like from, from the early days of always having to do the work that like, if you're not, if you're not enjoying it and passionate about it it's it sucks like it Mm -hmm. sucks to do it and the work sucks too so like um yeah the only every time we hire someone for me the question is like would I want to work here today like if I was on the job market and Mm -hmm. 368 was trying to hire me like would it be a, a job that I would want to go to would it be a job I want my kid to go to you know that kind of thing because otherwise, like, I don't know, I don't, it doesn't feel worth it, you know, to me, like, I do not want to be a place that people come to and become burnout or, mm-hmm. miserable. you know, there's, there's enough of that. And, then, th- you know, anyway, there's, a, there's also a lot of p- places where um, uh, I feel like a lot of people go from being in school um, their whole life and kind of like feeling obligated that they have to go to this place. And then they immediately switch from that and go to this other place where they feel very similar to how they felt about school. Um, and it wasn't until um, I started getting into like UX and, and actually finding something that I was really interested in, really was excited about that I thought that, hey, you know, 
this might be my opportunity to get out of that school feeling and go do something that I'm actually excited wow. to do when I wake up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, that I think you said it, you said it best because that is, I think subconsciously that's the same way I think about it is like, I personally did not like school. Um, I, I just didn't like, I didn't like it. I didn't like having to go to class. I didn't like having homework and all these things. And that's probably why I didn't like work either. Uh, so yeah, you're looking for something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's that simple. Like you don't want to wake up and go to school every day for the rest of your life. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an easy way to think about it. I like that. That's that's like really insightful. And I think everybody can relate to that feeling. I uh, who love school. Except that people like school. <laughs> I, I def oh my gosh, I was definitely one of those kids that like got so much of my like self-worth from like good grades and stuff like that. And it was so easy to do that because um uh like there that that dopamine hit was so often like you get a grade back like every couple of days, you get immediate gratification when you check your grades online and stuff like that. Um so the, when I went to when I graduated from school, I didn't have that anymore. And I was like, well, what am I gonna do now? I guess I'm just gonna have to like make fun stuff and make stuff to <laughs> make me excited about about I don't know just things that I make and stuff but um uh going going back a little bit um I pride myself in uh being pretty good at researching people ahead of time and finding fun stuff I was oh, really disappointed that I couldn't find out where exactly you grew up I I think I saw a hint of something to do with a place that had tornadoes but i'm not a hundred percent sure <laughs> there i don't know what i don't know what you're talking about there, there <laughs> have been tornadoes but the, it's not known for that um so i'm i grew up in a town called new iberia louisiana mm, gotcha you no know, it's a louisiana town it's, it's a very small cajun bayou town like sugarcane fields and brown water uh the claim to fame is tabasco is made there really yeah so like there's this <laughs> crazy cool tabasco factory like which is that's its own like anomaly in the world it's on a <laughs> it's on a coastal island that is a salt dome so it looks like you're in the caribbean like it's beautiful full of like, really it's it's a, it's a wild place um but yeah it's i grew up in a small town like you know, like barefoot in the bayou catching snakes, you know, like that, was, <laughs> really? that was my childhood. It was, it's, it's probably what people think of when they think of Louisiana, honestly. Like I, I saw all these pictures of like biking and outdoors stuff and the woods and stuff like that. That was a big part of your childhood too. Yeah. Yeah. That's still a big part of my, I think my identity, um, you know, like creative guy with a beard likes to go outside is not the most uh, <laughs> shocking identity uh, but yeah like I I mean you know growing up just kind of in a country town like I lived outside you know there was nothing to do except to go outside and like run through the woods and cause trouble so I, it just kind of I think it's just in me and for me like yeah I really like to mountain bike I really like to backpack and do things like that uh, it's it's like the counterweight to this career which is plugged in you know you're plugged in all day to a screen it's fast moving 
we're, we do a lot of work with, you know, like coastal agencies or, or startup brands that are in these like New York's and San Francisco's, they move fast, they talk fast, you know, so, so I'm living in that world. Uh, and then the other side of me is like this, this small town country boy, I guess, who just wants to be like in the quiet. Mm-hmm. So the, the biking and, and the backpacking and all the outdoor stuff is really, uh, for me, like a place to get present, you know, and to, to reflect and to unplug and, you know, all that stuff. So that's kind of like my split identity. It's like one part super computer nerd and one part outdoorsy person um, and, and living somewhere between the two. Growing up like that, like I grew up in a uh, a suburb and then if we wanted to like go do fun stuff, we'd go hiking or stuff like that. Like I'm from Pennsylvania. And so it was like a weird, uh, I don't know, like, urbanized area but at the same time you could like drive 20 minutes to uh, a horse barn and hang out there and stuff like that (laughs) but uh were there any um interesting things that that you learned um like growing up and doing so much stuff outdoors with your friends and stuff like that Did, did you you it could be like I learned this thing about myself or I learned how to give first aid because we were like in the middle of nowhere. My friend fell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great. That's a really cool question. Um, great question. So I think so. So, okay. So, you know, nature versus nurture um, kind of thing, like being from Southern Louisiana, like it's generally like a pretty conservative culture people like to hunt and fish and stuff like that you know like it's kind of man versus nature in so many ways uh but I have this story like from whenever we were probably 10 years old and we were creating like a clubhouse in the woods you know just like your typical kind of boys in the woods thing and uh one of my friends showed up one day before me to our clubhouse and he had his dad's tools and he was chopping down the trees uh, to clear out an, an area to like do something. And I showed up and I was so mad that he was killing the trees that I threw all the tools into the river. And, uh, and we, you know, we both got in trouble, but <laughs> that was for me, like, I was like, why we grew up one, like one street apart, very similar lives with such different ideals about mm. how we viewed the world. And I just learned that about myself. I, and I don't know what it is, you know, but it was just kind of this like love, love, <laughs> love for the earth or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, and just like wanting to kind of be in, in those spaces without trying to change them, you know? And then yeah. uh, that was not the norm where, where I grew up. So yeah, I learned that about myself. Uh, I learned, I learned a lot of stuff about myself. You know, there was, um, I, I don't know how interesting any of this is, but like, it's so, interesting to me, you know, <laughs> so I was like super redhead growing up, which is yeah. not fun. <laughs> not not fun. fun. Yeah. Like it's an easy target for people. So there's a lot oh. like, bullied pretty hard like in in like middle school and stuff uh so I 
I had this other kind of strange existence where I would go to school and just be like heads down, like didn't talk to anybody, just wanted to like get through and get out Mm -hmm. uh, and really kind of hated it. Like didn't like going to school. And then I would come home and I had all my neighborhood friends. And in that group, I was kind of like, I kind of fell into this dynamic of, I don't want to say like leadership dynamic, but in, into this dynamic of like, they would kind of gather at my house and mm-hmm. I would kind of make the plans for what we were going to do. And it was this strange, you know, just like another kind of contrast in my life of like, I felt like at school, I was almost invisible, you know, and then I would get home and I almost felt like the center of attention in two different groups of, of peers. That's so weird. And it was, it was strange and it, and it took me, you know, couple of decades to kind of reflect on that maybe and and work it out and realize like okay so you know there's something going on there about me um and i've hopefully used it to my advantage like those those learnings and reflections but yeah that was another kind of weird part about growing up that didn't feel typical is that i had this kind of split (laughs) world (laughs) school and then home so yeah when when you first were saying uh being a redhead wasn't fun i thought that you i was going to hear like a sunburn story <laughs> oh that too i have lots of those They're, like i so another thing about living near the gulf coast is everyone just wants to go to the beach that's mm-hmm. what, like summer it's beach time everyone's going to the beach and i hate the beach like i'm like really? <laughs> It's fever and blisters for me. That's what it is. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like taking some, somebody to a place where they're allergic to the environment <laughs> and being like, Hey, let's go, let's go here for a few days and hang out. And I'm like, I, okay, I guess like I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the cat cafe is the coolest place to be <laughs> when right? you're allergic exactly. to cats. Yeah. And you're just like, your eyes are swollen and like you're, you have, everything's miserable. So yeah, so like the beach thing is another, you know, I don't know. I I was probably built for like Scandinavia or mm. Ireland, you know, a place where there's not a lot of sun. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty fair skinned and uh, and have like, that's kind of like my genetics. But yeah, so so lots of sunburns too. And I, I was, when I was 12 years old in an archery class, I just flat passed out. Uh, really? Yes, yeah, like sunstroke oh. dropped. Oh my god! Uh, unconscious, <laughs> and uh, and I guess that's like, I guess that's when my parents stopped putting me in into into sports that were out in the sun so much. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that hard uh, when your kids want to go out and and, pl- and play games outside? <laughs> You're like, oh, I gotta make sure. <laughs> I I don't know yet. I mean. yeah so my kids are I have two young kids like three and almost two and uh they're like somehow whiter than me which really I did not think it was possible and it's (laughs) kind of a tragedy uh but it happened but yeah like like literally last weekend we took them out and the next day like uh my son was like playing and I was like man why is his face like red like is he having an allergic reaction to something? And I was like, oh no, he was in the sun for one hour yesterday. <laughs> like he just, that's, it's just our reality. I, I think we're just going to be a family that like 
camps and does things <laughs> under, under canopies. You know, eh, whatever. Could Vampire be behavior. Yeah, yeah. Missed <laughs> in the night. <laughs> so um, the the thing with with how you felt at school was that more elementary school and middle school or was it kind of like all through until high school it was I mean so like it really was worse for me I think like in middle school uh elementary was I was always a shy kid you know just Mm -hmm. kind of like insecure um and then middle school was rough like it is probably for most people and then from there, like high school was, I really feel like I just put my head down and got through it. Like it, mm. it wasn't necessarily bad. It was more that I think after middle school, it, I just, it, it was like, I decided like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, get me out of here. Like, this is not fun. And I was almost like struggling to bounce back from that. You know, like I was associating all of that negative experience with school so for the Mm. rest of the years and I think by senior year I started to kind of figure out like oh I can be myself and like people will accept me for who I am but it took me way too long to figure that out and uh and then you know for me even though I only moved 70 miles away to go to to university it was I might as well have moved to New York City at that point (laughs) It was crazy, like moving to Baton Rouge, which is hilariously small uh, as a city. It was it was an escape for me from that world, and uh, it took me leaving to appreciate the town I grew up in. You know, like really, yeah. By the time I left, like I was like I couldn't get out fast enough. But now looking back, like I really cherish that place and those the people and everything else. It was I think a lot of it was just internal you know, my own insecurities and stuff, just like manifesting, however. Mm-hmm. So it's just, that's just my journey. You know, I, I don't, I think probably a lot of people just go through different formative experiences and that was mine. Are you removed from it enough to talk about what that kid was insecure about at that age? You're getting deep on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if I know. I like. It was probably probably because uh, I was just so hyper intelligent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just so handsome. Nobody else yeah, could take yeah. me. <laughs> they were just jealous of me. I think. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I've done the deep work to really go back to like where it came from because there's no really, there's no obvious reason for it. Uh, there was an, there was an, like, there was an insecurity built into me that I don't exactly know where it came from because both of my brothers who were younger than me uh, were like, had great school experiences. They were, you know, like social and cool and popular and stuff. And I was like, is it just, is it literally the hair color? That's the only, because they have dark hair. Like, Oh, they're, they're brunettes? Dark. Yeah, they're dark. Like, they'll tan <laughs> beautifully. They, everyone else in my family is like dark brunette, tan, kind of Spanish looking. Uh-huh. Uh, and I got, my dad's mom was from Ireland. So 
I just, I think I got all of her genetics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was like the only thing is like, maybe because I didn't quite look like my family, maybe there was like, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe there was like a a feeling of just um, isolation or being kind of on the outside, you know, like that I just never, you know, you can't identify that when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was it. I don't know. Or maybe it was something just more surface level than that, where, you know, maybe there was just like a mean kid in a class who said something and I couldn't handle it. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. But I know I had great friends in, the, in my neighborhood that I grew up with who I'm still friends with to this day. And that's once again, that, that contrast, juxtaposition, whatever you want to call it, was, is always interesting for me to look back on. It's like I had this amazing friend group. We were so great to each other. I could be myself. And then I'd go to school. It was a totally different version of me. Um, Yeah. And I still deal with that. I still find myself like in situations where I'm like wanting to retreat back to like, you know, being the scared kid and Mm -hmm. then seeing myself do it and then having an internal dialogue that's spiraling while I'm trying to be normal in a room, you know, it's like always a weird situation to deal with. It's it's definitely is strange when um, you're, you're in a room and you think, I wonder if all of these people know how much I'm freaking out right now. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) That's always me. I I look normal, but I don't think they know how much I'm freaking out right now. You're like, am I pulling this off? Are they buying this? (laughs) That, that's pretty much me in every client meeting. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it's, I still, I still have imposter syndrome all, all the time, as, as many people do. And like, some people are better at overcoming it, but I'm always like, you know, I can't believe they're talking to me. Like, what do I know? You know, and it's just part of it. And we, you know, our whole team deals with it. And, uh, and we talk about it, you know, we try to get vulnerable with each other and talk about stuff like that. But I will say like one of our designers here, uh, Brittany, who, who's full of great wisdom, she, uh, she, rec- she references this book called Feck Perfunction. Feck Perfunction. Yeah, it's a play on words. Um, <laughs> and there's a, there's a lesson in the book I'm going to, I'm going to botch it here, but I'll try to articulate it. But basically it just says that nobody really knows what they're doing. You know, everyone's kind of just winging it. And when you realize that it's like this epiphany, it's, it's this much better way to live is when you just realize everyone's just faking it till you make it. It's kind of like when you figure out, like you hit this moment when you realize your parents didn't know what they were doing, (laughs) Uh, you know, and you're like, oh, wow. Like they were just kids. And that is that's been like a really powerful unlock for me is to just know that any room that you're in, anyone sitting around that table probably doesn't have the answer, even if they think they do. Like nobody really knows, you know, no, nobody really knows. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really powerful because that's how we're able to be a tiny shop from Louisiana and like go against all of these we're always up against these like really big name agencies and stuff and having to try to win. And it takes a lot of like mental jujitsu <laughs> to, to find the confidence to do that, you know? 
Mm-hmm. When you say things like, um, like underdog and tiny agency, I'm looking at the office behind you and I've looked at the office and the videos and the team and everything and the awards doesn't seem very little to me. <laughs> I guess it's all relative. I mean, you know, we're, and I do hear a train coming, so heads up. Uh, <laughs> just tell me when you need to stop. But yeah, the, I mean, it's all relative, you know, to me, I still feel like just a designer who wants to do cool design stuff. And, you know, we have 30 people. It's in, in the scheme of agency world, that's tiny, you know? Uh, so, and as we grow, we continuously, like we're, we're super ambitious. So we're always trying to get to like whatever ledge we get our fingers on, mm-hmm. we're reaching out for the next one, you know, mm-hmm. instantly reaching out for the next one and it's it, it can be tiring to do that but that's just how we want to be you know we want to we want to continuously grow and climb and uh, get to a position of being able to make the biggest impact that we can make mm-hmm. as a team. so but yeah this even this office and this team is like it's wild you know it's <laughs> wild to like to just see these people and everyone can make a living here doing this is uh, fantastic. Like it's, it's more than I could have ever dreamed for me, you know, for, for me even being part of this is just super cool. Yeah. Here, let's just take one pause. Just, I think that is the train done. No, (laughs) it's about to get a lot worse. Um, You and I can take a pause, just hang out for a little bit. There was one right by my, um, my neighborhood growing up. And my close friends moved into our neighborhood. And then about a year later, the dad made them move out because he couldn't stand being next to the the train tracks getting woken up all the time. I don't blame him. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very light sleeper. And uh, yeah, like I would wake up every time a train passed and then I would not be able to go back to sleep because yeah. are you like that? Like, do you, do you wake up at night and then your brain just like, takes off or are you a good sleeper um I think I'm pretty good unless I like I usually wake up from nightmares and stuff like that that tends to be the thing that wakes me up What? not often uh yeah yeah they're usually like very concerning (laughs) but But they don't happen often (laughs) tell me more about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're, they're they're very weird. Like, do people not have nightmares after a certain point in their life? For me, they're very rare. Like, very, uh-huh. very rare. Like, once a year, maybe. And when uh-huh. I have them, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I forgot how bad that was. <laughs> and a nightmare is. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, I had this weird reoccurring dream. And I think once I'm done with this, then we'll go back into it. Uh, but I had this weird reoccurring dream where it's really creepy it was a mime that was on a bicycle and and he was pedaling on the bicycle uh but he wasn't moving it was like a stationary bike but he was hovering off the ground and there was this um this uh like interrogation light that was above him and it would just be the same dream like I think I probably had it at least like 75 times across my life weirdest thing was it (laughs) was it a nightmare like 
It's I don't know. It was just like me and this mime. And the my mime was just on a bike. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I stopped having it after a while, but it was like throughout my childhood. It was a weird, weird thing. Did it resolve? Like, did it resolve with a with a conclusion, or did you just stop having it one day? He just went away. Whoa! <laughs> like, what does it mean? I don't what know. <laughs> like, why? Like, why did it come? Like, why? Like, why did you keep having that dream? I think it might have been just like a lot of pent up energy from like growing up and like teenage years and stuff like that but yeah. once i hit like i think 15 it started going away i don't know huh. <laughs> well <laughs> i think is the train train good now yeah you are good it's it good. seems it's stopping but the engines are far away perfect yeah and one one thing i w- i wanted to bring up kind of like backtracking a little bit um back into your life again um I, I saw this this photo of your dad uh, skydiving, and I was like, "Wow, this is a cool guy <laughs> to have in your life." <laughs> and then I saw these other other comments that you made about like how he taught you uh, how to like truly be a person and and like love everyone and stuff like that. So I was a little curious about like what what that experience was like having that guy as your dad. Yeah, wow, that's a good. <laughs> Um, yeah, my dad, I mean, so he is in my world. He's kind of famous for his enthusiasm for like Mm. everything. Uh, Really? It's like, it's not human. (laughs) Almost like (laughs) everything in the world. He just is so excited about and loves. It's Uh amazing. It really is amazing. Um, I, I want to somehow get that channel that on his level, but uh, yeah, he's just like, he has like this, this love and enthusiasm for everything in life that is contagious and he makes everyone around him just has the best time because no matter what you're doing, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's like, it's really funny. And he's got a forestry degree. Uh, really? Yeah. It, and he, he really likes the outdoors too which i'm sure is where I, I inherited that but you'll be like walking down a sidewalk and he'll see like this tree and you think he sees like an emergency because he'll be like oh my god what <laughs> you know he's like oh it's a dogwood it's in bloom everyone come see you know so he's so excited about this tree it's the best tree ever uh and so yeah he i mean he's taught me so much about he expresses appreciation all the time mm-hmm. and he never complains huh. about it. It's really incredible. Like he, I, I'm like super, super fortunate to have someone to have him as my dad, you know, it's like, it's like winning the lottery. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And then we took him skydiving, <laughs> you know, because why not? He, uh, that, that was just like, we were, we just stopped there on the way back from somewhere. We saw, we saw like, oh, this is the highest skydiving jump in the South. And we were, we had wow. to be driving by it and we were like, let's just go do it. And we all just like dropped in, paid and just jumped. Uh, and it was super fun. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of oddly casual. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. 
like it takes a lot of guts to just be like, yeah, let's just go skydiving. Like, oh, why not? Yeah, that, that's part of definitely part of our family dynamic. <laughs> and, and by family, I mean me and my brother's my dad. And then my mom is having a heart attack. Like <laughs> that, that was her entire life. She had three boys. <laughs> oh, really? The dynamic was like, we would build, you know, some insane rope swing somewhere in a tree and we'd be setting it up. And my mom would be outside just screaming, like, please don't like, <laughs> you're, you're going to die. Do not. And, and then my dad would come out and he'd be like, boys, don't do that. Like, and then my mom would and he would lean over and go do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he, he was like, you know, he was kind of, I guess, an extreme guy or He's, he doesn't have a lot of like fear um, yeah and yeah and he's oddly I was talking about this this morning with some of our team like I'm not even 40 yet and I feel like my body's like getting old <laughs> and like my you know my dad like in deep into his 60s seems to have no issues and I'm skydiving like what is, that? like what is that like how how does that happen it's the optimism. Yeah. Got, <laughs> right. So there's got to be something to that. So let's bring this full circle. Like your mentality is your reality, right? Like yeah. there's, there's something to be said for just like choosing to see the, the greatness in things, you know, choosing to see the bright side of things mm-hmm. is a really like ultra powerful superpower. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's part of it is he probably does have some aches and pains. He just doesn't talk about it. Hmm. uh, Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a lesson. That's a lesson I'm still trying to learn. Honestly, it's one of my, my habits for this year is to have zero complaints all year, which (laughs) sounds kind of psychotic. Like it's like, like someone who's like in a cult, you know, like (laughs) But I, but I don't mean it that way. You know, it doesn't mean you can't express concern or you can't have an issue. It's just that you don't complain for the sake of complaining. Mm. You, know, you, you, if you have an issue, you talk to someone about it. Like the person who you need to talk to about it, you don't complain to others. Mm. Uh, if there's something that you can't control, you don't burden other people with, with the issue unless someone invites it or you have someone who's developed that trust with you that relationship with you where you know it's uh, not a projection of negativity. So that's, I'm working on that, you know, see where I end up. It's just another thing I'm trying to see if I can be a little bit better. Did your dad ever, because a guy that is that positive all the time, uh, there are a lot of people out there that I'm sure he interacted with that are his exact opposite. Did you ever watch him interact with people that were super, super negative? Like, how did he even coexist with them? <laughs> yes, I think he repels those people. <laughs> um, so, so I have a story for that that's, I think, relevant. Is I, I worked with him for a year and a half to mm. kind of help him with his business. And he was helping me um, at the time. And... Uh, he's just a one-man show. He does real estate appraisals in the town I grew up in. So he just I kind of, it's kind of a lone wolf job. And I was there for that year and a half working with him. And we were in the office one day and this client comes barging in the door and is just like 
negative and angry about something like the job was late or who knows what i think in like 99 out of 100 circumstances like that it gets worse before it gets better you know there's Mm. a confrontation and a lot of tension but he walks in and he starts to complain my dad spins around in his chair and he's like hey it's great to see you today it's so awesome to see like just like I've been meaning to call you and it's just like wow so and the guy it was almost like the guy got hit with like a like a force like he like stumbled back like I don't know what to do with this positive <laughs> energy <laughs> and he it's like he he kept trying to come in with with like complaints and I saw my dad just hit him with, with <laughs> like so much so much enthusiasm that he was there and he's so happy that he's there but the guy finally was like yeah, you know what? Like everything's cool. See you later. Great to see you. And it it like it just kind of resolved itself. And you know, maybe that's like sometimes can be a form of deflection or something. But there is there is a power in that. You know, that's like a that's a power. And uh, and so yeah, like when he's around those people, I think he might just deflect them or ignore them. You know, there's a little bit of like a force field mm-hmm. happening as well. But yeah, is that a is that a religious thing or is that a southern thing <laughs> or neither? I think it's a lot of things. So I think there there is some faith element to it because he at, at some point Louisiana is mostly Catholic, and at some point mm-hmm. he converted to like a Protestant, like in the seventies, you know, whenever mm-hmm. like the Jesus movement happened and. There were like a lot of like um, pretty like radical Protestant type uh, movements happening. He he converted to that, and I think that was part of it. But over the years, like even when that's not necessarily at the forefront of reality, that it's like he's still the same, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like it definitely comes from some level of like inner peace. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that like you just have to have to be able to like constantly project um, joy. But also I think it's like just, I, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I, I've, it is literally like a running joke in my friend <laughs> forever that it's like, everyone's like, like, we're, what, like, did, was there a certain drug that he took in the seventh? <laughs> You're like, what, like, what is it? Like, it's not. It's such like you don't see it very often. It, like took him, yeah, took like, a mushroom trip and never fully came back. I know, and he won't answer. You won't ask him. <laughs> like, I don't talk about those days. <laughs> those are behind me. Yeah, those days are behind. Uh, but yeah, it is funny, and and like I, I honestly, I don't know. I think it's a combination of of choice and personality and. I mean, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe he's just someone who just lives in a state of gratitude. You know, it might be that simple. I don't know. Uh, I, I should probably ask him, huh? Like just <laughs> what is like, how, how did you, how do you do this? I, I wonder if sometimes people get into like a certain, certain state of mind and then it's like so long that they kind of just think that that's how they've always been. Um, I think I see that sometimes with people that like have dramatic changes in their lives and they decide to be something different. 
um that it's just like i don't know like was i really that negative before i don't even remember <laughs> yeah that's so yeah that's so true it's it's and it can be kind of uh encouraging to know like you can you can change you know like that that can be a good thing and knowing that you can change so much that you almost forget who you were uh that can be exciting and scary i guess but yeah I, I still feel like I'm changing and, you know, all like I, every time I look back at myself, I cringe. <laughs> you know? really? I'm sure I'll cringe at this version of me in a couple of years. Um, because yeah, because you, I think hopefully if you're, hopefully you're the type of person who's trying to remain self-aware and can be willing to make changes to yourself and your perspectives as you go. Uh, otherwise it sounds pretty boring. To kind of stop <laughs> and just be like just be like I, I i don't understand that but some people do that too just not me i cringe so hard at so many things <laughs> i do in life like having i can't even tell you how excruciatingly painful it is to edit your own podcast <laughs> I, I i can never do what you do like, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'll be able to listen to this. Uh, it's, it's like, like watching that Webflow uh, documentary yesterday with the team was almost unbearable for me. Really? <laughs> and, and I'm proud of it. And it's, I, I'm so proud of myself and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of us. Like that, that's true too. You know, like I don't want to be like fake humble. I think I just, I, I'm just not used to seeing myself and hearing myself and Mm. probably all the ums and nuances that I have that I don't hear you know I just don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to know it's important to look in the mirror too it, it's it's definitely uh very encouraging when you hear other people talk about how they cringe their, themselves yeah. and and you don't see it in them which yeah. is really funny I'm sure I, maybe some people cringe at the podcast that I have, but like uh, so often, like I had one podcast I delayed editing for like a week because <laughs> I just like couldn't bring myself to listen to myself. <laughs> I get, but, I get it. I yeah. Get it. Yeah. And you, at least you laugh a lot, which bring it's like, that's, that's joy. Like at least, you know, if you're going to do something, at least it's laughter, which can, is the best <laughs> possible thing to do. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have that going for you so it's, it's kind of like an asset <laughs> and and so when, when we're talking about like um like changes in your life and and people changing over time and stuff like that um a point that I I really like to go back to in people's lives that I think is really interesting um is kind of like the the weekend before you move to college um is a very weird life time in people's lives like uh I I know people uh at least exchange students that I'm friends with the night before they move to the U.S. especially if they've never been to the U.S. before as a terrifying night and you have no idea what's going to happen you don't know what it's going to be like when you get there and stuff like that do you have any memory of like the few days before you went to college and if you do what were you feeling like? Oh my God. That, that's a really cool question. <laughs> I, 
I can tell you what I do remember. Uh, what I don't remember is what happened before, like the weekend before. I I cannot recall at all what was going on. I do remember the first night that I moved. Mm. So, which maybe is that might have been like the pinnacle moment for me, and that's why I remember it. But I remember I remember like we moved into I moved into a dorm room uh, at LSU and it was basically like a concrete cell (laughs) (laughs) an old military barracks Uh, I thought it was super cool though but I moved in I had a roommate he moved in you know you have like friends and family who kind of this episode is brought to you by Podwork, which is um me. (laughs) So the idea of pod work is to stop stressing about your content schedule and let guests come to you. And so it is a website for podcasts and guests to connect and make that introduction a little bit easier. And as a guest, open a door to some of your favorite podcasts to make an easier introduction and hopefully get on their podcast and actually get to meet them. So I've been building this site for the past few months and I'd like to invite some people who may be listening to this to try it out completely for free and free access forever. And in the checkout, you can use the promo code GDLPODCAST to sign up as either a guest or a podcast. And you can sign up on www.podwork.io and all I ask is that you just find a way to reach out to me and let me know how it goes, let me know what you think. Um, and if you have any feedback, so that's all for me and back to the episode. Which maybe is, that might've been like the pinnacle moment for me. And that's why I remember it. But I remember, I remember like we moved into, I moved into a dorm room, uh, at LSU and it was basically like a concrete cell, (laughs) (laughs) an old military barracks. Uh, I thought it was super cool though, but. I moved in, I had a roommate, he moved in, you know, you have like friends and family who kind of come see you off. They go out and all of a sudden it was like dark outside. And I was sitting like on, on my bed in the dorm room. And it was like, it was just, it's hard to even describe the feeling of like, no one, no one in my life is like, within miles and miles of me like they're in a different city now it's just me and I can do anything I want (laughs) (laughs) that's a dangerous thought (laughs) yeah I I remember that was the first thought was like I can do anything and then I got like this overwhelming anxiety of like I have to do everything because Mm. I can do anything and (laughs) where do I start like what's the first thing I want to do uh, but that was a like crazy feeling for me being from such a small town where like it was a, it was just a small world you know you knew everybody you kind of knew the streets like it was not you could go end to end in 10 minutes uh, and I was in this place that I'd only been I'd probably been to Baton Rouge like twice in my life before that night uh, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was totally new to me and um, yeah it was just it was a really like an exciting feeling like it was for me very exciting kind of scary but mostly exciting and uh 
yeah, and I kind of like yearn for that feeling, you know, like you have these inflection points in your life and mm-hmm. these moments that are like really monumental and kind of set like these, they're inflection points, you know, like you finish school, you do whatever, go to college, travel, get a job, whatever you end up doing. Uh, and then, the, you know, there's all these chapters. And then uh, the one for me that was the hardest was ending college mm. and not and if for any maybe there's some students who listen to this but this might give them peace because all through college I had no idea what I should be studying or what I wanted to do yeah and uh like fumbled my way through got a degree and didn't want to graduate because I was terrified to admit to myself that I I still didn't know what I wanted to do and uh and and you went to school for economics right yes yeah economics um and I don't know why I I, (laughs) my my grandfather at one point had told me uh you know get a economics degree and go to Wall Street you know you'll be rich uh and and (laughs) he was you know he was like a he was born on a houseboat with nothing and kind of a self-made carpenter and had made a good living like building houses and things and so I looked up to him you know he like he seemed to have it figured out. And, and this was your dad's dad or your mom's dad? My mom's dad. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and he's just pure Cajun French man. Uh, wow. Like native French speaking type people. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. Like that Louisiana's whole culture and history is really, really fascinating. And cool. Um, there's like, there's many cultures here that coexist. And he's from the Cajun culture, but yeah, he, he had this really like great work ethic, retired early because he had made good money. And so what he told me, like carried weight. So when I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, I just did that. And I actually really liked economics because economics is, it's just marketing. Like, it's just like, what are people going to do when the price goes up? You know, what are mm. people do when the supply goes up, it's at least for me at, at LSU, it wasn't much more complicated than just supply and demand. Every looking at it from a bunch of different ways. Um, but yeah, anyway, graduated and it was like I stepped into the abyss. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, like that feeling. And like I, I spent some time with myself that week, just like walking around in terror. Like, <laughs> I really no what's next? Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, fumbled my way through a bunch of different, like, false starts. Tried to start a couple of bands because I played drums. And, like, that was, like, I, option A. I watched <laughs> your YouTube videos. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> the, the one in a, in a church where you were playing oh, yeah. the drums. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I played, I learned to play drums in church. Like mm-hmm. I said, my parents converted to a Protestant church. So I grew up, like, in, like, a your typical, you know, like church with like a rock band basically. And, uh, and so, yeah, so through college I was in, I was honestly like an emo and screamo bands and stuff. (laughs) My favorite, like those were (laughs) fun. And, uh, and then after that, yeah, after college started this band with some of the guys that I used to play in church with, like growing up, we all got back. It was crazy. We had lived 
like in different continents. We had all wow. moved away and all ended up back in New Iberia in 2008. Uh, at the same time, for all different reasons, it was really cool. And so we had a year in that town together with not much else to do, but to like write music and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. And, and we were, you know, for a minute there, we were like, Hey, let's try to like make a go at this. And we did all right. You know, we got some, some offers from record labels and, um, wow. you know, had like a little bit of success, but make, making money playing music, if you're not a pop star or a singer, like being a drummer is, I'm just not good enough. <laughs> Straight up, like you got to be so good and so committed. And I was not willing to do that. Um, but that was option A, and it was really fun at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Th so that, that was like post college, you know, some of that stuff. And then wiggled my way into to design through. Uh, I guess I'll give this quick story, but I was. I started working for a commercial real estate firm mm -hmm. and it was right. Like it was 2008, right when the economy. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Brutal. And so my job was to like, just picture this. Okay. You're, yeah. you're um, how old are you right now? I'm 23. 23. Okay. So I was, yeah. 20, I was 23. So imagine, put yourself in this situation. <laughs> Let's see how absurd it is. Like, you're 23, you, you're, you want to be like a drummer, you know, or whatever. You want to be a musician. Like you don't care about real estate, but mm -hmm. you get this job and they handed me these projects where they're like, Hey, you need to assign value to these like multi-million dollar developments, you know, like malls and things like that. Like at 23. Yeah. And I was working on, I was like in a kind of a, kind of an apprentice, but really not like you're really just kind of doing it. Wow. And, and it, it was like, you know, the, when you're playing with money, like in real estate on that level, there's a lot of like powerful people with big egos involved. And I'm doing all this work, the economy crashes. And my job is basically to give people bad news. Like, Hey, your property's <sighs> worth half of what you thought it was, or you're about to lose $10 million. And I was getting like these calls from people that were terrifying you know and uh oh my god it was rough yeah so so I wasn't having a lot of fun what was terrifying just like I guess just the confrontation just the feeling of like giving people bad news and then, then being angry or sad you know some people some people would say really like threatening things some people were just not satisfied you know just would say you did a bad job but you you never really felt like you were winning you know or at yeah. least that's how it felt it was like this was this was not a very re rewarding path at the time and uh so what I started doing and, and at this time I had really like no design experience zero but mm -hmm. I started redesigning <laughs> all of uh our reports because we were delivering these big reports like mm -hmm heavy reports and so I started making them look really nice or what mm. I thought was really nice and I was like maybe if the bad news is pretty it won't feel so bad <laughs> and uh and so like the the boss like my boss at the company like he was like man our stuff's looking great you know like we need yeah. you to do this on all these other things so they started getting me to like design all the reports 
And then one of the guys I worked with was like, hey, my, my wife is a teacher at the school. Would you design their website? Ooh, and, wow. Yeah, I was like, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Like, I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then we did, you know, I, I called a couple of friends who I knew they were, one of them was a web developer, Nick, who's still here. And my other friend, Chris, uh, who was, he was like also kind of in the web space, but he, I think he was more like me where he just kind of wanted to like get out of work, like regular work. So he's looking for any other opportunity. Mm. So us three like took on the job. I was like, Hey, if y'all can help me, like, you know, Chris helped me figure out what, how to do that. Like, how do I make an invoice? <laughs> uh, you know, like, what is, and then Nick, you know, like, can you actually make a website and I'll just design it. And mm. that was like, that's where it started. And it was, that was it. And we took off from there. Long story short. How do you say Nick's last name? Defelice. Defelice. Okay. Got it. But I say Defelice. Because <laughs> that's how it's supposed to be said. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely Defelice down here, but it's a very Italian name. Huh. Yeah. And so, so um, this, this group of guys, this was the, the beginning. I know that there was, okay. So there's this one picture that I found that I thought was funny. That might have a funny story behind it. Um, yeah. There was like you and Nick in a Puerto Rican grocery store on, I think it was like a client yeah. trip or something like that. How and and it, pick, where are these <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of research but yeah and and there was there was that and um and then there were these like different client things that you were doing and then there was even before um hatchet there was yolo design <laughs> you found us out <laughs> i didn't think you were going to say it no. <laughs> yeah i'll just I'll give you that, that backstory. Um, you know, once again, for people who are like, if you're, if you're out there and you're thinking about starting a business, if I can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) That's the moral of this story. So, uh, so yeah, so, so the, the Puerto Rico, the Puerto Rico picture was Nick and I went, we just decided to go surfing in Puerto Rico. We've Mm. never seen we almost died. We almost drowned because we don't know how to. Sleep. Oh my god! That's a that's just like a sidebar story. That was just a random idea. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like it was surfing is the har- hardest thing I've ever done. It's insane, uh, but it was fun. So I don't know how that fits into the story, but <laughs> I just had to acknowledge that photo. And we, yeah, I I love when you travel. If you don't go to grocery stores, you should because you mm. get to see like you learn so much like you you see like what's first of all what's available you know like oh here there's like no chicken or you know here it's whatever like there's just different options and different pricing options so you kind of get a feel for things which is really cool um but yeah the 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 yolo thing that i now have to talk about uh, (laughs) you could talk about whatever you want or you could not talk about whatever you want it's, it's it's part of our story and it's really, it's really fun. This will give you like the background of 368, but we, uh, it was me, Nick and Chris and Chris has since like, he, he left early on and went out 
to do like he's done a couple of other things he has his own business now mm. but uh when we us three started together and we we always had the word yolo in our like friend group for adventures we would go on these adventures you know like surfing or canoeing or camping uh and if we wanted to like get someone to come or to do something crazy and they wouldn't we would say hey you only live once yolo mm-hmm. and i swear to you at the time this was not a thing it we didn't really we thought we made it up and nobody believes me and nobody on this podcast will believe me but we had never wow. We just, it was like our secret. Uh, huh. And so we named the company YOLO thinking it was like this cool sounding original idea. And it was like within a year, the Drake song dropped. Oh. He, he says YOLO. And that's where, that's whenever it just went like, before that, people took us seriously as a company. <laughs> <laughs> when Drake, uh, when Drake <laughs> dropped that song, it became a meme. It, wow. got, it got to the point where people would call us and say, oh, wow, you, you're a real company. We, we just had to see if you were real. <laughs> and, and so uh, and so we were like trying to decide, you know, we we're kind of stubborn. We were like, we had it first or at least we thought we did mm-hmm. so we were sticking with it. And then uh, here comes Kenny and Gus, who at the time had Big Fish presentations, mm-hmm. presentation design company. They were young guns, younger than us. Uh, and they were like really cool. Like they were like in the ink magazine. And oh, wow. Like they were like a big deal. Like Shark Tank was trying to get them to go on. And wow, they, they started like we, we ran into them because we were kind of all trying to figure out how to make businesses. So we started seeing them and became friends. Um, but they were like good at business and we were like good at websites but not mm. and uh they sat us down one day and they were like hey friend to friend we think y'all should change the name of the company like <laughs> nobody thinks y'all are serious <laughs> and we were like okay all right you're right like we already <laughs> knew and so th- then we changed it to hatchet mm. uh, h-a-t-c-h-i-t like hatch it you know, we're, we're learning as we go here. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the second name. I, I liked it a lot better than the first one in retrospect. Uh, and so we, we turned into hatchet. They were still big fish and um, we moved our office closer to them, or maybe they moved closer to us. I can't remember which happened first and went on for a couple of years. And long story short, like they were, they were kind of hitting I think a ceiling with presentation design work. It was very niche. Mm-hmm. They were hitting a ceiling and we, Nick and I were, Chris had left at this point and Nick and I were just like struggling with like the business. Like we were good at doing the work, but like the business was killing us. Like trying to, trying to figure out how to make money was the hard part mm. <laughs> um, because we would just like, someone would be like, Hey, we'll pay you this much. We'd say, yeah, we'll do it. And we would do it as hard as we could like we would try to make it so good that we we weren't tracking time you know there was, mm. it was not sophisticated so that we weren't really making money we were just kind of cruising along and uh probably breaking even maybe maybe even losing money uh, <laughs> and uh and so 
Kenny and Gus and uh, me and Nick sat down and decided to merge. You know, Kenny and Gus said, y'all can bring in these web and design capabilities and a broader palette and we can really show you how to build a business. And the offices were 368 feet apart from one another. We called it Operation 368 in a drop. It was like a secret. And uh, and so that's where the name came from is it just kind of stuck. We had a lot of name ideas that were probably cooler than a random number. But that one was just for us, it was meaningful, you know, like it, the whole team had kind of rallied around this secret operation and it stuck. And that's, that was the genesis of the, of the company we are now since 2016. Wow. And it, yeah, we, it, we knew at the time we were like, there was not a lot of sophisticated work that went into this decision. We were like, yeah, let's just try it. <laughs> if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we'll just, we'll fail and start over whatever. Like it was just like that. And yeah, it worked. Fortunately. What would you, okay. So I'm imagining you at that age, the, the three you guys, you, Nick, Kenny, and other people chilling out. If you could go back there, um, not change anything, not like who you are at that point can't do anything or change anything with this advice. Um, do you think you would have believed yourself if you went up and told him like, hey, this is what happens later on? <laughs> this is how it pans out? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, it, it's very strange, Emily. Like, I've gotten a lot better at, um, I guess, like vision you know, like seeing ahead and and really aspiring and believing it's like what could be. But back then, like at at the time, I I did not, I had no idea. Like I wasn't even thinking about the next week, you know, it was like Mm. very much in the moment. And that's, I think that's part of what it takes to create a business is a little naivety of like not worrying about it, not having an expectation. That's part of the magic is just like, we're just doing this, you know? And like, if we just keep doing it, it'll become what it becomes and it'll get better because we'll get better at it. And it wasn't more complicated than that. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think I wasted a lot of time for the first three or four years. Cause like, I didn't take really, it yeah, I, I didn't take it seriously. Like I, I thought like if I could make $20,000 a year, I would be good. Like that was like my mindset. I was like, really? I, can I can work, get off early on Friday, go ride my bike. Like, I don't need anything, you know, like I can live on a little bit of money. Like I don't have like, I don't have a lot of expenses. I don't buy a lot of stuff. And, uh, and that was like, my mindset was like, do, do the least amount of work possible. <laughs> Uh, just to be able to like have a laid back existence. And, and then I grew up a little bit, I guess, like I kind of snapped out of like, oh yeah, that's not sustainable or very fulfilling. Honestly, it gets boring. And Mm -hmm. we hit, hit it into gear, especially like partnering with Kenny and Gus at the time when they really showed like, you can be intentional about this thing and it can really become something special. That's when Mm -hmm. we 
our stride. But yeah, like if, if I could go back and if I did it again, knowing what I know now, I think we could have gotten further faster. Mm. Um, if I, if I would have been a little more tuned in, but who knows, you know, maybe that was part of the recipe, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that uh, sometimes I have that temptation to be like, I could have done it this way, or I could have acted this way. And I still do this, but I try not to. Um, uh, I, I gave myself a little bit of leeway um, when I, I kind of gave that old version of myself the permission to like no longer exist. <laughs> and if that old version of me doesn't exist, then she can't do anything or change anything. And it's, it's like not her fault that she can't do anything. And so you kind of let it go a little bit, wow. at least for me. No, that's, that's, I'm going to steal that. Trick. Okay. <laughs> You've got a lot of good, like, uh, <laughs> psychological tactics to, to deal with stuff. That's, yeah, that's exactly right, though. It's, it, and I've, I'm still learning not to, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda kind of thing and reflect on the past and what if this or what if that. Uh, mm-hmm it's meaningless. It's, it's meaningless energy. You know, like it's one thing to learn and to reflect and say, and like say, okay, next time I can do this, but it's like reflecting to adjust you, like your present you Mm -hmm. is different than just wishing, you know? Um, Yeah. I like that. And so much of everything is perspective, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. really powerful and we talk about that here every Monday morning. We have what we call weekly why. Ooh. Just, it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, we have our Monday morning all hands. The whole team gets together and we do like our, it's like a whole rhythm. You know, we go through like announcements and just kind of what's coming for the week, who's out for the week. Uh, and then we end it with a weekly why, which is just a, a lesson or a principle to kind of hold on to for the week. Mm. And we talk about stuff like this all the time. Like we've been talking about perspective this month and how to manage perspective and how to think about it and how powerful it can be just choosing to see things a certain way there, oh, there's this thing that i'm thinking about doing and i wanted to hear what you think <laughs> <laughs> um uh i put in recently uh my my notice that i'm going to uh leave my job Um, and I think I have about three months left. And so one thing that I really loved about my job is we would do these stand-ups, um, and it would be with the the dev team and designers and everything. And, uh, uh, they, it was just the, the whole thing of the stand-up of like, what's your purpose of the day? Like, what are you going to do? How did you do on yesterday's stuff? And, um, I love podcasting. And so I was considering just like, doing that on my own and just having a little podcast where I do like 10 minutes talking about like okay so what what am I doing today and did I actually do the things yesterday that I said I was gonna go do and just have I don't know who would listen to that but I'm thinking about doing that (laughs) so first of all congratulations (laughs) thank you putting in your, uh, your notice that's that's exciting do you know what's next um, I've been having a bunch of uh, freelancing opportunities, and a, a big thing that I've been doing is I I was in a um, a 
uh, a, a job where it was a UX designer. And then I thought I was I was happy. And then I uh, had my pod I had back to back podcasts with Joe Krug and Vlad Magdalene. And after that, like, cumulative four-hour experience, I was like, I'm not where I need to be in life. (laughs) I need to go figure out how to do that. And so I had to save up and do that. And pretty much what I want to do is, like, in any relationship that you have with anybody, like, you have to bring something to the table, too. Um, And so I'm taking this time to, like, do as many cool things as learn as much stuff as possible and like work on all of these projects so that like I could run my own thing or like maybe join someplace else and, and go actually have something to bring to the table. <laughs> so yeah, these little standups, I, I, I'm thinking about making these like little diaries, like little diary entries for like 10 minutes a day. <laughs> so yeah, when you talk about those, those morning meetings and stuff like that, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> You should do it. Yeah, I I think you should do it. And who cares if anyone listens? Do it for you. Yeah. It's, it's such like a powerful accountability exercise and a it's a self-awareness exercise just to express it. Like that's, I wish everyone, I mean, I wish everyone on this whole team, I wish we had that built into our r- rhythms and our routine because it's so powerful to just keep yourself accountable to yourself you know um yeah that's cool and i definitely think like if you know you going out and freelancing for what it's worth like there's no greater teacher (laughs) (laughs) than freelance like you have to learn how to speak business how to run business how to do the work how to do client services everything and and everything from there is easier you know it's you can see it here when we hire someone out of freelance, how good they are at navigating like the nuances of creative work, you know, like they just get it. They Mm -hmm. know the dynamics, they know how to hear the right things. They know how to manage their own time. It's uh, that, that, that's more impressive to me than like any degree, (laughs) you know, or any fancy agency name, (laughs) just someone who was out on their own for a while. Yeah give give them to me having a place that's like like merit-based and stuff like that when I when I started talking to Webflow people and I started like hanging out with people in my podcast and stuff like that like how how beautiful it is how things are so merit-based and not like checklist-based um I, I mean I'm some people talk to me they're like you went to school for graphic design like I wish I did that all this kind of stuff and like I studied this other thing I wish I studied something closer to design and I remember being in in my last year and realizing it wasn't what I wanted to do and I don't know if you felt that way that week after it's terrifying because you don't know what else you want to do um and so but once I started finding something that I was actually into and, and that it's merit-based and that you can like work on all these cool things and, and meet other people and learn from them. And everybody's so collaborative and friendly and stuff like that. Totally different world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if, at least in my experience, like the, the formal training and education is like 
it's important, but maybe for the reasons you don't think it's important for, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the hard skills and all of that. Like we have Google and YouTube. You don't, <laughs> need, you don't need courses really to learn those things. Like you might, you might learn how to learn, which is an mm-hmm. important skill. Learn how to listen, learn how to collaborate, those types of things. But uh, yeah, you, yeah. And then, yeah, merit, merit-based culture in general to me is it just makes sense I guess you know just it seems to be like common sense Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like the the way I've I've looked at my own journey and having like having this this econ degree which seems almost useless or unrelated (laughs) but I but it's for me like it's ended up being my my secret weapon because Mm -hmm. what happened with us is like I would get into a design conversation with a client who thinks they just want, oh, we just like want a billboard or, you know, a flyer or whatever it was in the early days that somebody would ask for. And I would start asking them these like really, uh, like really kind of sophisticated questions that were just, I guess, trained into me or I was mm. I kind of had wired that into myself by learning econ and working in real estate. And I would kind of like, become a strategist for them, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was that it was having that extra tool in my belt that made me different than what would, I guess, a traditional designer who had a design degree might have a pure design angle. Uh, and so for me, it became a weapon where I'm like, okay, so I have a unique value to bring to the table as a designer that a lot of other designers aren't thinking about. And mm-hmm. that's gonna be my competitive advantage. And that was a huge way that we like built the company and we built a strategy division here. I changed my title to strategy. <laughs> I didn't know strategy was a- an actual job. Like I thought really I-, I just must be bad at Googling because like we just like we just kind of were like strategy. That sounds correct. <laughs> we'll be strategist. And turns out like it's a whole industry. And it's a huge career, uh, but like we found it organically, you know, like we take the long way to get everywhere, I guess. Like instead of just like looking and saying, oh, this is a thing, we figured it out. And it, it, I think it's really been what's gotten us this far, you know, mm-hmm. is, is bringing like problem solving and strategic thinking to creativity. And what's interesting now is the pendulum is swinging the other way. So we've got this really strong strategy discipline and we're really good at thinking about things and really good at like prying into the right areas and uncovering insights. And now we're looking across kind of the industry and saying, we've got to get our design now to be heavier. Like we've got to go up on design now to be the best Mm -hmm. because uh, our strategy is so good that we've like it's helped us climb to this point now I feel like it's creative's turn to grab you know and pull yeah. us up to the next ledge and then maybe strategy will go again so it's it's kind of how I see that the agency is like those are the two those are the two jet engines that are pushing us and they they kind of trade off sometimes they work together but they trade off oh. so yeah that was a really long rant <laughs> uh, I like rants started yeah but but yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all intermingled anyway. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't think I'm a very good designer. 
Um, I don't know if I'm a very good strategist either, but I'm somewhere between the two. And maybe that's what I'm good at is being between the two. So. You know, do you know the, the quote, um, uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none? Yes. You know, like, do you know that it's not the full quote? No, please blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> so like, there's this whole idea of like being a, a purist or something like that, like, the like traditional thing of like you go to school for this and then you might even take your master's in it and right. then you like do all of this stuff and that's all that you do when you're like you are a master in that thing um but i think now people are starting to see that they don't have to be just a box they don't have to be one thing and this one quote that i found was was amazing because it's it's a a jack of all trades is a master of none but often better than a master of one is that real yeah that's the full quote it's like often um like like uh blood is thicker than water that's like a weird thing saying like uh like family is closer than friends but it's actually like um the uh the what was it it's like the the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water and it has to do something with like um like the the relation that you have with church and with people that you choose is is it is actually like stronger than the people that you were born to because it's choice and everything like that yeah it's exactly (laughs) the opposite of how people use it it's the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb meaning like the the bonds you make with people are more important than the the water of the womb you came from. Right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Blowing my mind right. I'm, like, I'm so excited to to throw this in people's faces. <laughs> but that that's one thing. Like like in school, you're like, oh, you have to only do one thing, or or there's like all of this pressure of like niching and stuff like that, which right. like has its own. Uh, um, benefits and everything like that. But I like, even when I was going to college, I, I didn't want to be just one thing I wanted to do. All, like I thought product design was really cool. I thought all this other stuff was really cool. And I, I, I was like, why do I have to do one thing? And then I, 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 once I started realizing like, oh, there's design, there's development and there's like copywriting and all this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, cool. This is something I can do all these different things and stuff like that. And, and whenever I talk to people, they're like, oh, I need to niche. I need to only be one thing or anything. Not that you were saying that, but friends of mine say that um, there is benefit to it. But sometimes when I tell them a jack of all trades is a master of none, but often better than a master of one, um, changes their perspective a little bit. <laughs> You, you are, in my opinion, you're, I mean, you're dead on. And <laughs> just from where, where I'm sitting, the people who succeed are the, the multi-tool people, you know, the adaptable mm-hmm. ones and like the skills. And I, I don't think this is like re- a revelation for people, but adaptability, the ability to solve problems and adapt in real time is like the ultimate skill in modern times because things change fast and like if you, if you master a tool, you're going to be irrelevant in three to five years, mm-hmm. you know, any digital tool. And, and it's happened like Webflow is a great example of making front-end development uh, lo- largely irrelevant. To your point, 
yeah, being being versatile and multi-tool is an incredible uh, asset and it's a great way to build out build out kind of a future proof uh, value. Yeah, like I, it's the being a specialist at one thing, being really good at it is powerful and awesome. However, mm-hmm. it's very exchangeable. It's it's a it's commodified in a way where if you're like, oh, I need a great illustrator, mm. we're gonna go to like wearerosy.com or workingnotworking.com and type in illustrator and I'm gonna have a hundred great mm. options. And now it's a bidding war for this this hard skill service. And it's uh it's more difficult, I think, to to create like disproportionate value versus someone who's just like really good at solving problems and has a particular set of skills, a tool belt of skills. Like some people, I mean, design is a very broad concept, as you know, like you can be an illustrator, UX designer, web designer, information architect, whatever. Like there's, you know, a lot of things, but looking at design more broadly and maybe saying, I'm gonna learn a few skills here and and get good at them and maybe I'll prefer one but maybe I'll also learn a little bit about copywriting so that I can augment my design work with words and language because Mm -hmm. that that takes it to a whole different place and you know maybe I'll learn a little bit about strategy and and understand how design might inform whatever you know business goals or marketing funnels and all the other buzzwords in our industry (laughs) that can be really powerful if you're trying to be a professional, you know, uh, and, and make a living at it and, um, and have like a sustainable career that that's, I think the modern creative professional is a Mm multi-tool for the most part, for the most part, it's not an absolute, but for the most part, definitely. Well, also the projects that you're working on aren't one dimensional too. (laughs) (laughs) Not, there's no way you can do all of the different dimensions like i i don't know right now much about emails or anything like that but um uh i don't know there's there it it always struck me as weird as when when somebody you're working on something with somebody and they're like oh well can you do this part and then you go uh, i don't know how to do that <laughs> i don't know anything yeah. about that <laughs> you something we used to say we we don't say it so much anymore we, but we still kind of it still pops up sometimes it's like say yes and figure it out later, (laughs) which kind of sounds reckless, but it's true. Like that was, especially when you're trying to get going, you Mm -hmm. just say, you're like, yeah. Like they're like, can you do this? (laughs) Yeah. Email. Yeah. Totally got that. And you're like Googling (laughs) over here. (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's the world we live in. Like Google is the brain of the world in a lot of ways. Like I've got, uh, it's so funny. Like I have a friend who's a doctor and I texted him about something. Uh, like, I think it was like a medication or something. And I was like worried about it for whatever reason. And it's like, what's up with this medication? And he's like, Oh no, don't take that. Don't take that. And then, uh, and I was like, Oh, good thing. I texted you. And then he texts me back later. He's like, no, actually you can take it. And I was like, did you just Google it? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
just to be uh, safe, hold off, but I'll Google it. Yeah. And then he Googled it and changed his mind. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we're all doing this. I <laughs> agree that we're all doing this. Right. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's like, if you know how to Google, you can figure a lot of stuff out. Uh, and, and that's like, so, so yeah, we say yes to some things and it's, it's like this kind of, it's, it's this thing where on one side, you have to be willing to jump in and say yes and figure it out. But on the other side, you have to know when to say no. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are very important and powerful. And it's like yeah. a, it's a moving target on both sides. Like I know even as an agency here, like sometimes we're saying yes too much mm. and we're, we're not respecting ourselves or we're not disciplining our work funnel. And then sometimes we're saying no too much, mm. you know, and we're, you know, we're, maybe we're just like being too selective or, or whatever, you know, we're not being open enough. So for us, it's constantly like we're adjusting those, not those dials to try to get it right. And we have all these systems now to try to get it right, like rubrics and filters and things. But I think at any level, um, those, those two truths have to exist as two kind of, um, as two dials in your, in your navigation system as a, as a creative. Yeah. You have to, uh, um, commit to things cause you don't want people to, uh, um, you don't want to commit to something and not be able to deliver on it. But then if you really think that there's a way that you could figure it out, just cause you don't have all the skills now, doesn't mean you won't have them in a week from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of stuff, especially in marketing, it's just not that complicated, you know, and, and it, it just keeps getting easier. Uh, Webflow again, as an example, and like, um, you know, for example, like digital advertising, when it first, you know, when it first came onto the scene, it was pretty complicated and there was a lot of different platforms and stuff and filters and all these, these skills you had to have. And, you get all these certifications and fast forward to today, it's become pretty simple. It's kind of, a lot of it's kind of automatic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an interesting thing is like, as, as digital advertising and that part of marketing reaches kind of an equilibrium state where everyone can do it as good as everyone else. There's no way to have like a tactical advantage in how you advertise because everyone can put ads everywhere. Then what becomes the difference? What makes the difference in an ad if it's not tactical placement and targeting? If targeting Mm. is perfect, then what makes the difference, I think, is like the story you tell, the value Mm. proposition you put forward, you know, the creative. And for me, that's an exciting future. Like, we're getting past this world where you can game the SEO system and you can outspend everybody else. Uh, it's still part of it, but it's getting more balanced. And then the creative will have a chance to, to survive and, or surface again and, and win. Uh, and that's what I, I ultimately believe in, you know, and, and for us, like we're aiming for that future of really like honest, great creative uh, behind a company or a mission that makes the world better you know as cliche as it sounds like if we can do that kind of work then we're doing it right and that's what we're aiming to do 
How does it feel hearing that, hearing yourself say that? <laughs> kind of <laughs> <kinda> cringy. <laughs> no, 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 I thought it was really good. It feels, uh, there, I mean, there, yeah, it's honest. It's honest and I can hear the, the cliche in it, you know, and that like, I know a lot of creatives might aspire to that same thing, but it's a truth, you know, and it's easy to get lost and, and fall away from it. It's easy to get lost in everything else. And especially in advertising where it's, it's like a, a game of interruption, you know, everyone's just interrupting their way to the front of the line. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. If I retarget you 12 times, maybe you'll buy these boots, you know? And, mm. uh, and like, I just, that's a, that's a noisy, noisy world to live mm. in, you know, versus a place where, uh, I think, like maybe there's more opportunity for relationship with friends and like, mm -hmm. it's almost like a, a nostalgic, like hearkening back to a time whenever you did business with companies you knew and yeah. you kind of knew what they were about. And uh, I, I feel like we'll get to a place where that's possible again, you know, it'll look, it'll look different, but the, uh, the good ones will, will, will float to the top. Mm-hmm as as people can't game their way through the system the system gets more balanced and gets smarter uh, yeah so that's i mean once again that's what we're we're working toward and trying to build a business in that direction hoping that's the future we're heading toward yeah we shall see <laughs> i remember hearing bits and pieces of this um from people uh that i admired um but it, i never really quite understood what it meant and if there's somebody listening to this that might be at that same stage that I was at that age, um, two things really, really, really helped. One, there was this book, um, it's called The Experience Economy um, by Pine and Gilmore. You're nodding. Do you know what that is? I do. Oh, it's, it's yeah. a really, really, and they have audiobook. Uh, so I have the book. Um, I just listened to it on audiobook because it was way easier because the concepts are like really intense. <laughs> so I'll be honest about that. Um, <laughs> there's, there's that. Um, and then there's also um, like starting this podcast and, and hanging out with people, people like you and, and spending time with people and like really shutting up and just listen to people because you don't know what you don't know. That will open up so many doors than any book that you're going to read any like youtube maybe youtube video but like just shut up and just listen to people <laughs> and make friends and and that people who are your friend who, who care about you are going to be the people that um give you honest advice they won't like bullshit you and um uh they'll be the people that when they're excited about something they find this new thing they're not going to like gatekeep it they're going to want to share it with you because they like you yes. so yeah, those were my two things. If anybody's listening, that is confused. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah, just listen. You know, it's it's such an underrated skill, <laughs> and, and and like listening is it doesn't just mean hearing. You know, like actually listen. Like actually be like in a posture of what can I learn today. You know, what, what's going to challenge what I thought I knew. Uh, and I, I'm usually not thinking that way. I'm not, you know, that's still a skill I'm working on, but when you can get into that headspace, uh, yeah, your potential is limitless. You know, you will, you will just, 
you'll grow and also people will just want to work with you. They'll want to help you. Like good things will come when you're, when you're just open and listening and learning. It's really yeah. simple. So, so if you're listening to this, like we got you, it's okay. You can relax. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so hanging out to <laughs> hanging out with you today was so fun and I'm no longer nervous. <laughs> I made it to the end and I got relaxed. Now I'm very nervous. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, this, this was a blast, like, and, and an honor, like, once again, just thanks, you know, thanks for putting me on and hearing my story and, and yeah, like, letting me just yap for a couple of hours. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's literally, like, my favorite thing to do, so thanks for letting me do it. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. This is awesome. This is, and there's not, honestly, like, there aren't enough podcasts that cover like this side of our industry like it there really aren't it's strange um there's a lot of podcasts around this stuff but uh, i haven't found a ton that do what you're doing so keep it up i i love uh stories and i love uh hearing things about like people's lives and things like that um and uh some of my favorite uh achievements is like um like having a, a podcast with uh joe krug and talking about fin suite for only like 10 minutes of it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like it's really fun to like talk about like who you are outside of because there's so much out there about like 368 there's so much out there about like um what you do but like who you are it's cool to also have that <laughs> yeah that's yeah i i agree and it's you know, maybe, maybe people will listen and go, you know, if he can do it, if they can do it, I can do it. Cause I really hope that's what people take away from this is there is no, like, there is no reason to be nervous around anyone, you know, like it, everyone is just figuring it out. And, and it's, it's just for me, you know, just being trying to treat people well and be relentless you know just never give up just stick with it like stick with it long enough and it will eventually work <laughs> that's at least in my experience that's how it went so yeah that's a that's a good thing to end on like be be kind and good to people and be relentless <laughs> yeah relentless be the most relentless one <laughs> that's like the most underrated ingredient of success perfect and the, the last thing that, that I have on my mind before we wrap up is, um, we, so we talked about your past. We talked about the beginnings of 368. When you are looking out into the distance, like in, on the horizon, either if it's short term or long term or anything like that, is there anything that you're really excited about? You might listen to this later on um, and look back on it, but at least where you are now, is there anything that you're really excited about in the future? Yeah, um, I'll give a very like uh, specific technical answer to this, but I am specifically excited about what we're calling open air AR, open air augmented reality. Ooh. Uh, and if we do things right, which it's going to take a little bit of luck and a lot of work, but uh, we see a future where 
instead of having to put on goggles or use your phone screen to have like an augmented reality experience where you can get data in your world, you know, uh, we're working on some stuff that will bring it to you in different ways. And really exciting. And I'll say stay tuned because that's, that's the big exciting thing that we're going to take a swing at uh, and see what we can do. So I, I think a world where augmented reality is like placed into your space when and where you need it. And it's not something that you have to like go into. Uh, that's a cool world. That's an exciting world. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. I hope that you, you, uh, you're listening to this podcast maybe in like five years or so. And it's like on some sort of like weird projector or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like on my car windshield or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. I hope so too. That's, we can get, if we can get like away from everything living on your screen and we can start to disseminate information in a more like um, human appropriate way, you know, like yeah. where, where it exists, where it needs to exist and it has a place and it's not always there all the time, always on. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. And I hope that's the future we're moving toward. So the way that I end the podcast every time is I reintroduce myself. I say, like what I do kind of like, so people understand my identity, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and then I say where people can find me and, uh, and then we wrap up with me and then uh, I hear it from you and then we head out of here. How does that sound for you? Sounds great. Let's do Perfect. it. Perfect. All right. So um, hi, thanks for listening. My name is Emily Giordano. I am a UX person, Webflow person, and I'm currently taking this course on copywriting rightsite.co is the course so you could take that too um and and that that's what i do uh if you ever wanted to reach out to me for a project if you want to be friends you want to do the podcast um you can reach out to me uh emily e-m-i-l-y at greatdesignlead.com greatdesignlead.com is my website it's also my youtube channel where i do like website reviews just for fun um it exists uh and you can also find me on instagram at great design lead and uh yeah and that's that's enough about me and then we'll head over to jeremy and then we'll head out of here thanks hey i'm jeremy bait i am a creative at 368 and i am currently trying to learn some heavy metal songs on drums (laughs) and failing but trying (laughs) uh and yeah if you want to find us just go to 368.com all spelled out and you can check out what we're up to or follow us on instagram at 368 all spelled out we would love to hear from you if you're a creative designer whatever hit us up message (laughs) us on instagram email us whatever we'll respond i would love to hear from you and Yeah, thanks for listening. Perfect. Well, I guess this is just goodbye until next time. This was so fun. And I hope to keep in touch. Same, Emily. Emily, thank you. I mean, this was great. Let's please stay in touch. (laughs) You're awesome. I love that you're doing this. We're honored. And uh, yeah, talk soon, I guess.